Man, I love daylight saving time, and I, I love rainy Sundays. <laughs> Said no pastor ever. <laughs> Man, there's a crown waiting for you guys in heaven. I want you to know that. I tell you, after that worship, give Gary and his gifts a hand, man. I tell you, I feel like I got that hour back. So I'm, I'm energized, man. Good, good stuff. Um, as the children make their way downstairs, we're going to continue uh, this morning in our pace through First Peter. Um, we've been in this series now. This is the uh, fifth message uh, in this series, and we'll conclude the series next Sunday. Um, so hang on um, as we as we continue to move to the end of Peter's letter to these these exiles, these Christians who have been run out of their homes in Jerusalem and scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, we've been talking about what it looks like to live without compromise in a culture that largely opposes your faith and values. That was Peter's audience uh, in the first century, as again he's writing to these uh, young Christians who were just swimming upstream uh, against the Roman culture at that time. It's interesting as we apply this to today and in our own culture and the world that we live in, a story came out this week and uh, Gail Waller in our small group Wednesday night brought our attention to it, so I did a little bit more digging to try to, to find out some more details. But there was a story this week um, out of Ryder University in New Jersey uh, where the students there at, at Ryder University voted to bring Chick-fil-A to their campus, as would every student everywhere, the heavenly calories um, brought to their campus. Um, immediately, they presented this to the school's uh, administration. Uh, immediately, the administrators of Ryder University rejected their proposal uh, because of Chick-fil-A's uh, biblical values and their perceived opposition uh, to the gay community. Again, I say their perceived opposition. Um, Cynthia Newman is the dean of the business school at Ryder University, and she is a committed Christian. And so once she uh, got wind of this, she went before the school administrators there and asked them to reconsider their decision and to even issue an apology to the students and, and Chick-fil-A for the statement that they had put out. But the administrators there doubled down on their position and they refused to discuss the matter any further. Uh, Miss Newman resigned her position as dean of the business school that day. It's a big job. It's a big paycheck. It's a lot to walk away from. Yet her conviction led her to do just that. Let me ask you something this morning. How would you respond as a follower of Jesus Christ in that same situation? You know, that we, we talk about this in, in our small group right now as we've been walking through this. Boy, the, 
you know, you kind of are handcuffed in the workplace, especially in large companies and things of that nature um, these days. And so this is a very real issue. And now we're not all called to respond the exact same way. Again, the Holy Spirit speaks to us differently in differing situations and calls different people to do different things. But this for her, for Miss Newman, was the time to take a stand. And she took that stand. And she resigned her position that day based on her convictions and based on the fact that she was a follower of Jesus Christ and she believed in the authority of Scripture. As Christians today, we will be increasingly faced with these same types of dilemmas. And Peter knows that. He knew that the audience that he was writing to was going through uh, a difficult time. And they were going to need some encouragement. They were going to need some living hope to continue to hold on to their faith. And we know that the scripture is just as true then as it is today. And so Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me now. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And um, if you've got the little Bible app, the little Word app on your phone, um, I noticed this week as I was uh, looking up some scripture on it, there's a new little deal in there, and if you hit it accidentally, it will turn the audio portion of your phone on. Has anybody bumped into that? And your phone will begin to read the scripture to you. And churches all over the country are getting echoes of the scripture being read in, in, the, uh, in the congregation. So just, just be aware of that. I did the same thing in public this week um, where I was and, and, and I, because they've changed the format there. But just be aware of that. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. So turn there in your Bibles or on your phones or on your tablets or if you've got it memorized, that's cool too. Um, Peter says this, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Remember what these folks were going through. I mean, they were literally fighting for their lives at this time. But rejoice, he said, that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Don't be surprised, Peter says. You know, I don't know about you, but, but surprise for me sometimes can tend to paralyze me. And if you've ever been the recipient uh, of a surprise birthday party, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You walk into a room, you are shocked, you are surprised. It's hard kind of to, to recover, get your bearings, and, and, and really know where to go from there, um, it's interesting uh, this morning and kind of timely the way God does this. I was uh, at, at my office, my desk at the house, and as I do as my practice every Sunday morning, early this morning, uh, I'm walking through the message one final time. And uh, as, I, as I get to this, this portion, I, I have a full cup of coffee, and I, uh, I turn in my chair and I knock the full cup of coffee over onto my keyboard, onto the whole, you know, and, and I'm just, and it shocked me, and it surprised me, and I didn't know what to do, and I think I might have let something slip, 
I, I, I really, but, but, you know, and so I run to the kitchen. It's a, it's a wireless keyboard. So I'm running, you know, through the house. The coffee's dripping on the carpet and I'm running in the kitchen thinking this is going to ruin this. And I'm trying to, to clean it off and everything. And, uh, you know, get, get back to the desk, get it all off the desk, all that kind of thing. And I, and, and then once I kind of gathered myself again, I thought, man, that's exactly how it happens right there. When things befall us in life, we've got this reflex, you know. I mean, when pain comes our way or, or an accident or suffering or anything like this, and this was so trivial, and yet I immediately, while I'm talking about not being surprised by this stuff, and I'm literally reading it as I do this, I'm surprised by it. And I, I respond with this reflex and may or may not have said something. Thankfully, Kim was still in the bed. The dog woke up. But that's how it happens. It, it just comes upon us. So we need to be thinking ahead of time so that we can quickly recover. And, and honestly, in this situation, I, I sat in my chair and he, once I got everything cleaned up, I thought, okay, I've been thinking about this, so that's how it happens. But, man, when life brings things to us that are so much more impacting than spilling a cup of coffee, the question is, are we surprised by it? Certainly we're going to be surprised at the shock of it in the beginning, but have we thought enough through it to understand and to to, to think about how we're going to respond when those things come our way, when the painful trials enter our lives. Peter reminds us here that suffering as a Christian is not strange. Hear me. Suffering as a Christian is not strange, but normative. Do you hear me? Normative. We need to tell every follower of Christ that, maybe not the day they come to him, but at least the day after. Okay, that Jesus said, I suffered and you will not avoid suffering because you are to follow me. And the end result of the Christian life is to become like who? Christ. We're going to walk that path. Jesus said, expect it. I ran into this little graphic um, recently. Um, Have any of you seen this? Um, I love it, man. A picture is worth a thousand words. Isn't this so true? And there's my plan. I know what I'm doing. I got it all figured out. I've written it down. I got goals. I got, I mean, I I five-year plan, ten-year plan. And this is the way it's going to go. And it's just, mm, goodness. Does God's plan go that way? Never. Never. Peter is saying in, this, in these verses, he's saying, I want you to know this. <laughs> I want you to understand this. I want you to come to expect that your life is going to look like this if you're a follower of Jesus Christ so that you won't be so surprised when the valleys come. You won't be so surprised when the storms come out of nowhere in your life. Solomon said in Proverbs 19, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Man, we can make all the plans in the world, but they're not going to go smoothly for us because God seldom grows us into Christ's likeness 
in a straight line. I don't know about you, but the story of my, my maturity in Christ ever since I surrendered my life to him some 26 years, 27 years ago, it, it's not been a straight line of becoming like Jesus. It took me a long time to figure this out. This has been the story of my growth in Christ. But steadily moving toward his likeness. But sometimes it just feels like you're going backwards, doesn't it? But God is working out his plan and his purpose in our lives, but it never moves in a straight line. Let me ask you something. How surprised are you when life doesn't go as you planned? Do you shake your finger at God? Do you get angry? Do you allow fear then to dictate your response? That's our reflex. Man, that's what I did when I spilled that coffee this morning. That's what we do automatically. But the question is, is how quickly do we allow the Holy Spirit to catch us and remind us that God is still at work and that we're not to be surprised by pain and suffering in our lives Man, when our well-being is dependent on our plans going perfectly, we will ultimately become disappointed and disillusioned with God. I've met a thousand people who live there. And ultimately they walk away from God. Because God didn't bless their plan. He wanted them to come along with his plan. God seldom works through our perfect plans. He is far more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. And character is developed best in adversity, whether we like it or not. The strongest people I know have been through the most difficult circumstances in their lives and trusted God and come out the other side. D.L. Moody put it this way. He said, Happiness is caused by things that happen around me. Circumstances. And he says, And those circumstances are going to mar our happiness. But joy is another thing. He says, Joy flows right on through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark and into the night. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. How's your joy flowing this morning? Is it based on your circumstance? Or is it based on the living hope that you have in Christ and Christ alone? You know, I'm not a big fan of pain in my life. That would be a special problem if I was. But, but you know what? <laughs> And this may sound strange to some of I have come to expect it. I have come to expect it. I don't like it. I don't like suffering. I don't like problems. I don't like difficulties. But it doesn't surprise me very much anymore. I've learned to take Jesus at his word. <laughs> When he said, in this wor world, you will have trouble. It's a promise he's made to us. And as followers of Christ in this fallen world, Peter is telling us here to expect the unexpected. 
To expect the unexpected. To not be surprised when pain comes our way. When suffering enters the picture. Don't view it as strange. Understand that it is normative for the Christian life. In other words, don't let disappointment derail you. Don't let disappointment derail you. Stay on track. Because God brings purpose out of our pain. Always. It may not feel like it right now. We may not be able to see it in the distance. But God always brings purpose out of our pain. And He never wastes a hurt in our lives. If, if we'll trust Him. And we'll surrender our lives to Him in the midst of it. So before pain enters the picture, before you spill that cup of coffee, be proactive and have your response in mind. Your reflex is going to respond, but once that settles down, allow the Word of God to live in you. And allow the power of the Spirit to flow through you. Be prepared for that response. You can be paralyzed by the surprise. Or as Peter put it in verse 12 and 13. He says rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Golly peak. That's a tall order. Isn't it? Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Don't be paralyzed by that surprise so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Do you know who else's glory is going to be revealed when His glory is revealed? Ours. The Bible says we will be as He is. This life is a blip on the radar screen of eternity. We will be as he is. Expect the unexpected. And then Peter says this. Essentially, if you back up a couple verses, he says, love your way through it. How do you respond? Not with the language I had this morning. Love your way through it. He says this in verse 8 through 11. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Remember he's talking to a persecuted people. And he's saying love your way through it. Serve others in your pain. If anyone speaks he said he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. I blew that this morning. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In other words, when difficulty comes your way, man, don't turn in. Turn out. Turn out. And it's the hardest thing to do. It goes against the very fiber of our flesh. Let the depth of your need make you more sensitive to that same need in other people. Pain will either paralyze you or it will mobilize you. And we have a choice when it comes our way. Peter's challenge is to expect the unexpected and for us to love our way through it. Allow the pain to mobilize you 
and not paralyze you. Believe for the best. Prepare for the worst. And don't be surprised by either. And we can only do that when we know that God is in it. When we know that we know that we know that God is in it. That God is real. That God is working. That God has a plan. That God has a purpose for our lives. Regardless of how it feels. And regardless of what our situation and circumstance looks like. Nothing takes God by surprise. Psalm 139.16 The psalmist says this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. Do you believe that? You believe that? God knows. That's what that means. Nothing takes God by surprise. Whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, whatever pain you're experiencing going through, God knows. He laid your days out before one of them came to be, before the foundation of the world. And then the psalmist says, How precious to me are those thoughts, knowing that God is thinking about me. His child. How vast is the sum of those thoughts. And I love the Old Testament story of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you are familiar with that? They, like Peter's audience, if you're familiar uh, with the context uh, in the Old Testament there, they were exiles. They had been driven from Jerusalem uh, to Babylon um, and forced to serve the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Yet they modeled Peter's challenge while they were there, along with Daniel. And Peter's challenge, if you remember, in in chapter 2 was this, to live such good lives among the pagans, for them the Babylonians, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the story of Daniel. And that's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were comfortable in exile. Okay, they weren't really held prisoner, if you will. They were just brought into the new culture and placed in positions based on their gifts so that they could benefit the culture but not redevelop their own culture. So they were comfortable in their exile like we are. They had high positions in the government. Life was pretty good until the unexpected, until the surprise came. King Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree, if you'll remember, that everyone in Babylon must worship this giant gold statue that he erected in the desert, likely an image of himself. And those that would not bow down and worship it would be incinerated in a fiery furnace. The king gets wind that these young Hebrew boys were refusing to worship his idol. And he has them brought before him. And the king says this. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. That's a consequence. Then 
Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to their king, O Nebuchadnezzar, respectfully, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But if he does not... We want you to know he's still our God. And we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Man, I love that. In the words of Job, though he slay me, what? Yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were clearly expecting the unexpected. You don't just show up and respond like that. Out of reflex. The reflex is just the opposite. And they responded faithfully under fire. They stood their ground. They weren't willing to cross that line. You know how the story goes. Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the fiery furnace. And a few minutes later they walked out without a singed hair on their head. A fourth man appeared in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar saw that fourth man man in the fire and that fourth man the presence of God living hope ushered them through the flames God showed up in their faithfulness in their pain in their time of need and he will show up in yours and the king was so blown away at the power of their God. So watch where this goes, that he then put out another decree that anyone who spoke ill of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be put to death. And then he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the highest positions in the land, all of which set the stage for the ultimate return of the Jewish exiles to Jerusalem. God is operating on a much bigger picture than we are. And he is using the events and the plans in our lives and everyone's life around us to accomplish his purpose on this earth. And many times we don't understand that. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails, which leads us to Peter's words closing this section of Scripture Peter said this, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should do what? Commit themselves to their faithful creator, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and continue to do good. Expect the unexpected. Love your way through it. And know God is in it. And trust Him in the fire. Let's pray. Father, our natural inclination is to flinch when pain comes our way. Lord, we want to avoid suffering really at all cost. But Lord, this world is full of it. And Jesus promised that we would experience it. And so, Lord, let us not be surprised. Let us not be taken back when difficulty and challenge comes our way. 
But, Father, let us look to you. Let us trust you. Let us continue to serve you, continue to love those who cross our path, and continue to live our lives towards the likeness of Jesus Christ. We acknowledge today the capacity to do that because of the living hope that resides within us because Jesus lives in us. We have the capacity to press on and to honor you. And we acknowledge that in his name. Amen.